All right, good morning. Welcome to our Sunday School Hour. Please take your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, 1 John chapter 4 this morning, we're making our way verse by verse through uh, the book of 1 John. We sang, uh, as we opened this morning, the Bible stands and uh, praise God this morning for that truth, Brother Ray. Uh, it is a miraculous thing that the Lord uh, had a way to give his words to men in the first place. Uh, that's extraordinary. Uh, I find it perhaps even more extraordinary that God has not only promised, but kept his promise to somehow supernaturally preserve his words as well. Of course, uh, he used men to capture his words down in the first place, and he's used uh, churches uh, over time to uh, preserve his words as well. And we understand there's a practical aspect to that, but also uh, a very real supernatural aspect to that as well. And uh, because of uh, supernatural inspiration and preservation, both really two sides of the same coin, both absolutely necessary, uh, the Bible does stand today. We have the word of God. We have the Lord's truth uh, preserved. And of course, wonderfully accurately translated in our King James Bible. We praise God for that. Uh, and we stand in truth. We're able to stand in truth today uh, because of these wonderful truths, inspiration and preservation. Uh, and because of that, because of those truths, we have all of the other doctrinal truths of Scripture. And this morning, we, as we return to 1 John chapter 4, uh, we find uh, great truth regarding, we might call it the doctrine of love, the doctrine of love. I'm going to open up in prayer this morning, and we'll jump right in. We're, we're um, oh, about a third of the way through the chapter. We'll pick it up. I think we'll go back this morning to uh, verse 7, pick it up there, and begin making our way down through the balance of the chapter. Sound good? Okay, let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning, Lord, for your love. Lord, your love to us, it's an extraordinary thing. Father, you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son uh, to die for us. Lord, to cover our sin, to remove it as far as the east is from the west. Uh, Lord, to make it possible for us to know you and to come boldly to you. And uh, Lord, to be certain of uh, your promise of eternity with you, uh, rather than the alternative of paying the price in hell. You lovingly sent your only begotten son to pay the price for us upon the cross at Calvary. Father, I thank you today for the certainty that anyone who would uh, repent, turn to Christ from sin, and place their faith in him and what he accomplished upon the cross uh, is forgiven. Uh, and uh, Lord is changed in that moment, uh, indwelt by the Spirit of God, and uh, grafted into the promises that you make to believers. Lord, thank you so much for these truths this morning. Father, I thank you for your love. <laughs> thank you for your love this morning. Help us now as we look at these verses regarding love. Uh, Lord, teach us from your words this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. So love is the topic, and of course, it's not the first time we've seen this here in 1 John. Uh, 1 John deals uh, with a number of topics, but recall uh, that a, a chief uh, or main topic of the, the letter is uh, proofs of salvation, how how can someone know that they're saved? Well, we know, the Bible says, that uh, if you have repented of sin and placed your faith in the Christ of Scripture, uh, you are forgiven, your sins are forgiven, and you are saved from hell. 
Uh, we know that from Scripture, uh, but we also know that there will be some evidence, some practical, uh, well, it's supernatural evidence that has a practical effect uh, that we'll see uh, in our lives and, and be able to see in the lives of others as well. Love, of course, is a true love, a biblical love, godly love, holy love, uh, is one of the most profound and I think most visible uh, evidences that the Lord is at work in our lives, that, that we have been saved. Well, uh, let's, let's see this here. Let's, let's pick it up here in uh, 1 John chapter 4, uh, 1 John chapter 4, um, verse 7. Uh, here the Lord says, Beloved, let us love one another. Uh, there's a command. It's not just John's suggestion. This is a command. Uh, believers here are called to love one another. Uh, he says, for love is of God, uh, for love is of God, uh, and everyone that loveth, we looked at this verse last week, the idea here, uh, that ETH ending has the, the idea of ongoing, continual uh, love, uh, is born of God uh, and knoweth God. So uh, this uh, ability to demonstrate love uh, and the choice to exercise this ability uh, in the demonstration of love to one another, that is of God. Uh, it's of God. Of course, we know it's a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. Uh, it's an evidence that we have the Holy Spirit in us, bringing forth uh, all of the various fruit of the Spirit that we see there in Galatians 5, uh, including love, which is uh, both an affection for one another uh, and a desire and ability to do for uh, to act lovingly toward one another. Uh, this ability to keep on doing this is of God, uh, and therefore it is a proof of salvation. It's a proof that, verse 7, that we've been born of God and that we knoweth God, and it's a, it's a great proof indeed. Uh, verse 8 kind of uh, spins it around and looks at it from the other direction. He says, he that loveth not uh, knoweth not God. So if you look at someone who has uh, professed to have been saved, uh, and yet there's no interest on their part uh, in demonstrating love to brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, you'll be rightfully concerned about that person's spiritual state. If there's no interest in demonstrating love, if there's uh, no love, if there's uh, just hard-heartedness uh, toward brothers and sisters in Christ, if all there is is anger and frustration and a real absence of love, that is not consistent with salvation. Uh, verse 8 specifically says, he that loveth not knoweth not God, <coughs> for God is love. Uh, love, we said this last Sunday morning, uh, God's attribute of love uh, is so consistent with who he is, uh, it is a defining attribute of God. God is <coughs> excuse me, he is love, and um, he is able to enable us to demonstrate love where that would not otherwise be possible. Well, we, we go on here in the chapter, uh, and we find uh, God's love for us, um, it's a fact, it's revealed in scripture, but it's also demonstrated. Uh, God has great affection for his people, uh, despite our sin, which is extraordinary, uh, but it's not just like our love is not just to be an affection or emotion, but 
but an action. God's love for us is also demonstrated as an action. Uh, and of course, it's demonstrated in sending the Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Verse 9 says, in this was manifested the love of God, God's love toward who? Verse 9, toward us, toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So we have this idea that God's love is, is an action thing, just like ours uh, is to be. We, we've said that, and uh, this is a most extraordinary demonstration of his love. Uh, remember, the idea of begottenness is to uh, take on flesh. Uh, Christ took on flesh at his incarnation uh, in the womb uh, of Mary. Uh, remember, that was a supernatural action of the Spirit of God. Uh, the virgin birth is uh, absolutely essential truth uh, of Scripture. Uh, not that uh, Mary is to be revered as, as a godlike person. No, she was a, uh, a righteous woman uh, whose righteousness uh, made her a suitable person uh, to, be, uh, to serve the Lord uh, as, as the mother of Christ. It's an extraordinary uh, miracle. Uh, the fact that God sent his son, that he incarnated his son, sent him into the world, uh, is, is a great uh, proof of his love for us. Uh, and the reason is given here, that we might live through him. I understand when I first came to faith in Christ, I was reborn spiritually, uh, spiritually, Brother Ray, but I also understand that I look forward to the great hope of a physical resurrection, right? A, a resurrection unto a perfect, perfected, perfected body uh, that will, uh, I will retain throughout all of eternity. So uh, we have been reborn spiritually and we will be resurrected physically. Uh, what a great truth. What a great demonstration of God's love toward us. Verse 10 continues on this theme. Here in his love, not that we loved God, uh, but that he loved us. Uh, we were not very lovable at times, certainly. Uh, and um, despite that, <laughs> the Lord loved us. Uh, and, and he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, this word propitiation has the idea of atonement or, or satisfaction. Uh, he sent Christ to be that final perfect sacrifice, uh, to be the realization of all that was pictured, uh, that was only pictured in all of the many sacrifices that were performed continually throughout the Old Testament, but truly had no power uh, to offer salvation. Christ, uh, having been incarnated uh, and having come and, and died upon the cross as a perfect Savior, uh, is the realization of what could only have been pictured uh, in the Old Testament. This great love indeed, a father sending his only son uh, to be uh, the way of salvation uh, for us uh, through the death. Uh, we understand the death, the burial, and resurrection of his son. Um, the fact, the fact the Lord was willing to do that uh, is extraordinary. Uh, it is extraordinary. And I want, you, I want you to just notice before we move on, look at the last phrase of verse 10. Last phrase of verse 10. Uh, three words, three words. What are they? The last three words of verse 10. Uh, what are those last three words? Uh, for our sins. Uh, we've, we've, we've made it clear already that the occasion 
uh, or the reason the Lord demonstrated his love this way is for our sin. Uh, it's certainly the case that the Lord could have chosen uh, to not demonstrate love toward us because of our sin. He could have said, he, he, he could have looked at people and he could have looked into the future uh, at the great wickedness of people over time and he could have chosen to say, you know what? Uh, they're, they're, they're such sinners, uh, such terrible, horrible sinners that I'm not going to demonstrate love toward them. I'm just going to let my wrath be poured out upon them and, and their sin. God could have chosen to do that, uh, but of course he did not. Uh, he chose instead to send his only begotten son to die for us because of our sin, uh, because of our sin. I want you to just get a hold of that idea for a minute. I think all too often we choose to not be loving to other people because of their sin, because of how bad they are because of the bad that they've done to us, uh, because of whatever, whatever, uh, we make the sin of other people an excuse or an occasion to not demonstrate love to them. Well, let me stop and just say this. If the Lord had done that, we'd be in a pretty bad place, wouldn't we? Uh, if he had not graciously chosen uh, to demonstrate his love to us in providing a way for our salvation, we'd be in a pretty bad place. We'd be lost. We'd be on our way to hell. God didn't do that. Uh, he chose to, demonstrate, to uh, allow uh, the sending of Christ to be sort of the intersection of grace and love uh, in response to our sin. Uh, our sin became an, uh, an occasion or motivation for him to demonstrate love rather than him to withhold his love. Uh, I want us just to, to stop and consider that for a moment. We are, we are so often tempted to not demonstrate love because of sin. Uh, that, is, that is not a biblically acceptable or biblically proper excuse for withholding love. And certainly it's not consistent with the example of God the Father. Uh, we are called to love, and we'll, we'll see this here in a moment. We're called to love. And there's no out clause or escape clause uh, for withholding love from those who are unloving or who are sinful. That is not what God the Father did, and that is not at all what we are called to do. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, sinners, undeserving, he says, we ought also to love one another which is pretty much exactly what I've just said. Uh, God loved us graciously. Uh, we didn't deserve his love. Uh, we, we, it, it was grace. The intersection of grace and love uh, is, is the cross. If God so loved us, terrible sinners uh, who uh, offend uh, extraordinarily uh, a perfectly righteous God, uh, if, if God was able to demonstrate love to us despite his holiness and, and our sin, uh, how much more love should we be able to demonstrate to one another? Uh, our, we're not nearly as holy as God is. We don't, we don't even get close to that uh, at, this, at this point in time. Um, how, how much less offensive is the sin of others to us as opposed to how offensive it is to God? Now, that's an unfortunate truth, but I believe it's a truth nonetheless. 
Um, we're not nearly as offended by sin as a perfectly holy God is. Uh, and yet God was able to demonstrate love to us, to sinners. Uh, we most certainly can and should uh, accept this call to demonstrate love to fellow sinners, uh, to fellow sinners, especially given the great truth that God himself makes that possible. Uh, he commands it, uh, and he makes it, he makes it possible. He makes it possible. Uh, look at verse 12. Uh, verse 12 says, No man uh, hath seen God at any time. If, if, verse 12, we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and uh, his love, uh, his love is perfected in us. So once again, the idea that this is our ability to love, we know we're called to love. Uh, we, we understand that. We, we've seen that over and over and over again. Uh, in scripture. We understand that we are called uh, to love, um, but our ability to do that and our choice to stand in and exercise that supernatural enablement, again, that's proof of salvation. Uh, it's a wonderful proof of salvation. If we lo love one another, God dwelleth in us. It's not that uh, the Lord dwells in us because we love. It's not that we're earning salvation by choosing love. No, it's Again, it's a proof of salvation. Uh, if we want love one another, verse 12, this is a proof that God dwelleth in us uh, and that his love is perfected in us. Uh, perfected is a word that we look at a lot, perfect, perfect. It has the idea of completeness or maturity. And the idea here is that it's God's love in us that um, is, is a proof, a truth, a proof, uh, and that over time, as, as we yield to him, uh, his love is, is perfected, it's grown, it's matured, it's accomplished in us. John 13 uh, and verse 35, the Lord says, uh, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Well, again, <laughs> the Lord himself said, this is a proof uh, of your salvation. Uh, you'll be known, the Lord's true disciples will be known by their ability and choice uh, to demonstrate love to each other. Again, the idea here that uh, the Lord is the one who, who makes this possible. Uh, Galatians 5.22 is, is where we find the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the first one on the list is, is that word, love. It's the very first thing uh, on the list. And, and so we understand what an important thing uh, this is to the Lord. Uh, and again, the idea that the Lord is the one who makes this possible. Look at verse 13. Uh, Hereby know we that we dwell in him uh, and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Uh, let's look at it again. Hereby know we that we dwell in him. Uh, we can know that we dwell in the Father uh, and he in us, in, in the Lord. We can know that we're saved. Uh, we can know that we're saved uh, because he hath given uh, of us his spirit. Now, I understand the Bible teaches that the spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's Romans 8 and verse 16. Uh, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit uh, is to minister this assurance of salvation to us 
uh, in our spirits. If you're genuinely saved, the Holy Spirit will minister this comfort, this assurance uh, to you in your spirit uh, that you are saved. Uh, that's true. That's true. We see that in Romans 8 and verse 16. Uh, and yet, here in verse 13, the emphasis would seem to be on the Spirit ministering the ability uh, for us to demonstrate love, the ability. Um, not so much an assurance of salvation uh, is the direct point here, but rather the ability uh, to demonstrate love being of the Spirit, and then uh, through that, through, through the demonstration of love, uh, we, find, we find assurance that we dwell in the Father uh, and he in us. So again, the idea that love is a proof or an evidence uh, of salvation. Let's go on here. In verses 14 and 15, um, we see these, these verses. Let me read the two verses. And, verse 14, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Amen. Uh, verse 15, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, uh, God dwelleth in him uh, and he in God. So here again, we have an evidence of salvation. Uh, we're, we're kind of moving on for a moment from this uh, principle that love is uh, our ability to demonstrate love despite sin, really, uh, is an evidence of salvation. And now we're moving on to another evidence here in verses 14 uh, and 15. A person who confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, uh, that's another evidence of salvation. Uh, look at verse 14 again. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 15, whosoever shall confess. Remember, confess has the idea of agreeing that Jesus is the Son of God. God dwelleth in him. Uh, and he and God. So listen, any, uh, there are various cults out there that will say that they believe in, in Jesus. They believe that he was, uh, they believe in Christ, and they incorporate um, various aspects of, of the Gospels into their, the, the doctrine of their cult, uh, and yet they deny that Jesus is God the Son. They deny that he is the son of God. To say that he is the son of God, uh, first century believers understood, meant that that is to say that he is God the son. Uh, to deny that uh, is not an evidence, it's not consistent with an evidence of salvation. Uh, there's no evidence of salvation uh, if one would deny, if one would uh, not confess uh, that Jesus is the son of God. We've said recently that uh, there's all kinds of people placing their faith in all kinds of Christs, uh, all, all sorts of, or versions or definitions of Jesus Christ. You can't be saved unless you place your faith in the Christ of Scripture. He's, he's got to be the only begotten Son of God, uh, Creator, not the brother of Lucifer, uh, not a person who became divine through some process. Uh, no, uh, one who has been eternally coexistent with the Father and the Spirit and equal to the Father and the Spirit in every way. Uh, that's the Christ of Scripture. Uh, one who was born uh, through a virgin birth, sent, sent of the Father, 
uh, one who truly did go to the cross with a physical body, John addressed that issue, uh, and, and who truly died and who, who was buried and who truly was risen again on the third day with a physical body and who subsequently ascended bodily, physically into heaven. That's the Christ of scripture. And if you don't have that Christ, you don't have salvation. Uh, you've got to have the Christ of scripture uh, who is the son of God uh, in order to know uh, salvation. And so we have this idea uh, being taught here in verses 14 and 15. Let's go on and see the next several verses. Verse 16 says, um, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Uh, God is love. So this, this idea, again, we've seen this before. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. So again, the idea that love is an evidence uh, of our salvation. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect. What does that word perfect mean? Well, we've, we've said already this morning, uh, matured, uh, developed, grown, uh, accomplished, matured. Uh, herein is our love, herein is our love made perfect, verse 17, that we may have boldness uh, in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Verse 19 says this, we love him because he first loved us. Listen, uh, the Lord, God the Father sent his only begotten son. Uh, that's an evidence of his love for us. Our ability to demonstrate that same love toward others, as well as to him, is an evidence of salvation. Uh, our ability uh, to look ahead to the Lord's promises to us regarding his return uh, is also an evidence of our salvation. Uh, there's, there's no room for fearing the Lord's return uh, for someone who has been genuinely saved. Uh, there's no fear in, in that for uh, a true believer. We look forward to the Lord's return. Uh, that, that's, that's our hope. That'll be the resurrection for us first. Uh, and, and then uh, the first aspect or, or first, um, first uh, part of our spending eternity with him, at least in, in our resurrection bodies. That's, that's not something to fear at all. And, and this fear is dispelled uh, by God's love uh, toward us in, um, in making a way for us to be saved. In verses 20 and verse 21, and we're, we're almost done here, um, we return to this idea that loving uh, one another is an evidence of salvation. And again, uh, over and over again, uh, John uh, returns to and reiterates this idea. Brother Ray, must be it's important if the Lord continues uh, to reiterate things. And uh, Certainly, uh, John, uh, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is bringing in a variety of truths into and around and things that are built upon this theme. But ultimately, uh, the theme is God's love to us and our enablement and command to love others uh, as part of our obedience to the Lord. And so um, 
we, we see here as the chapter closes, the Lord returns directly to this idea. Verse 20, if a man say, I love God, and at the same time, hateth his brother, he's a liar. Uh, for uh, he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Uh, that just makes good sense. And if it doesn't, just receive it as a teaching uh, and, and truth from Scripture. If someone says that they love God and at the same time uh, demonstrate hate uh, to someone else, the Bible says that person is a liar. Well, why is that? Um, why is that? Well, we understand Christ taught that uh, loving him is best demonstrated through our obedience to his words. Uh, this is clear teaching of scripture. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that, that people uh, say that they demonstrate love to the Lord. Uh, so people say, oh, I don't, I don't know about uh, my need to be obedient here or there. I, I just love Jesus. I just love him. I don't, I don't know too much about a desire to obey him here, here, and here. I, I just love him. Well, understand that the Lord's desire is that we love him uh, through the action of obeying him. Uh, that's, that's biblical love expressed toward our Savior. Just as the Father demonstrated love to us through the action of sending Christ, and Christ demonstrated love for us by the action of laying down his life upon the cross. Uh, his desire is that we demonstrate love to him uh, through the action of obeying him. And obeying him necessarily includes the choice, which he enables, our choice to act in love uh, toward fellow believers. So, given that, in verse 20, the Lord may say, if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. He's a liar. Not, uh, sorry, both cannot be true. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you have, if, if you hate your brother, you're not loving God, given how the Lord de um, defines uh, loving him in Scripture. If you say you love God, you got to demonstrate love, because you're not demonstrating love to him unless you're demonstrating love to others. Uh, look at verse 21. In this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Well, it just turns it around uh, from, from verse 20. That is, a clear, uh, that is a clear command of Scripture. Let me um, just give you a couple of other verses here uh, that you can, you can get down uh, and consider. Uh, of course, we are commanded uh, to love the Lord. Um, I've already alluded to, just alluded to John 14, 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, that's John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's how the Lord desires that we would demonstrate love to each other. Uh, there's a number of other verses that we see in Scripture where Christians are commanded uh, to love each other. In John 13 and verse 34, Jesus commands, love one another as I have loved you. We've already seen verse 35 this morning. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. In John 15 and verse 17, Jesus says, these things I command you, that ye love one another. 
uh, the New Testament is filled, just filled uh, with this command. Of course, husbands are called to love their wives. In Ephesians 5 and verse 25, uh, husbands are commanded to love our wives, even as Christ also loved the church uh, and gave himself for it. Uh, Christ demonstrated his love to us in, in laying down his life, giving himself for us. Husbands are called to love their wives uh, by giving themselves for their wives. Understand this morning that demonstrating love will often, uh, almost always, require us to put someone else and their needs and interests before ourselves, our needs and our interests. Uh, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands are called to love their wives by giving themselves uh, to meet the needs of their wives. So often, uh, we Christian men get caught up in the idea that uh, wives are just called to give to us, focus on meeting our needs, and that it's not a, a two-way street in that regard. Well, it most certainly is. Uh, it most certainly is. Yes, uh, wives are biblically called to be helpmates, uh, to be helpers to their husbands, but husbands are also called biblically to give themselves uh, to their wives to meet their needs. And that is, a, that is an important, biblically important demonstration uh, of love. In Colossians 3 and verse 19, husbands are commanded to love their wives and to be not bitter against them, uh, choosing to forgive uh, and to continue demonstrating love. Uh, that's a command in Scripture. That's a command in Scripture. And of course, we understand that we are able to do that. As we humble ourselves before the Lord, he gives us grace to forgive. Uh, of course, we are also commanded um, to love our neighbors, uh, to demonstrate love to neighbors. Matthew 22, 39. Uh, Jesus says the second, uh, the second uh, the se of the commandments, the most important, is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor uh, as thyself. And of course, you could spend a lot of time defining and debating uh, who's your neighbor uh, biblically, but I believe this would, this would include both uh, fellow church members as well as others. And of course, this is reiterated in Galatians 5, thou shalt love thy neighbor uh, as thyself. How about this one? Uh, has the Lord not commanded us to demonstrate love uh, to those who would be our enemies as well? And, uh, did Jesus not do exactly that at the cross? Uh, he demonstrated love for all men at the cross, uh, all men of all time, most certainly including those who had clearly chosen to act uh, as, as his enemies, uh, his enemy, by placing him on the cross. Uh, and so in Matthew 5 and verse 44, Jesus says, I say unto you, uh, all of them, uh, love your enemies, love, love your enemies. Uh, he's saying to all of them to love all of their enemies grammatically, uh, that would be the case. He says, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Uh, these are important um, applications of our command that we see in 1 John uh, chapter 4. We're called to love. And we're called to love even in these uh, aspects of life where it can be extraordinarily hard to do so. 
Listen, uh, if you're able to demonstrate love to someone who has been bad to you, be greatly encouraged by that this morning. That is a clear proof of the truth of your salvation. It is a proof that you know the Lord and that he is working in you to bring forth this fruit of love in your life as you've yielded to the Lord and chosen to be obedient to demonstrate love graciously as he has demonstrated gracious love to us. Uh, the Lord enables, makes possible for us to do just that. Uh, whether it's a spouse who has been bad to us, uh, uh, whether it's a neighbor uh, who has been bad to us, or whether it's an enemy who typically by demonstration has been bad to us, uh, we can choose to demonstrate love. Jesus specifically says pray for them which despitefully use you. That would be um, a biblical way uh, to demonstrate love in a very practical way. So often, um, so often we um, fail to demonstrate love by praying for people who've been bad to us. Listen, people who've been bad to us are typically going to be more in need of prayer than those that have been great to us. And so it would be a very loving and gracious thing to choose to pray for those who wrong us. Don't let sin be an excuse to not demonstrate love. Don't do it. The Lord didn't do it. And he's commanded us to refrain from that inclination. That's a sinful inclination to make the sin of others an excuse to not demonstrate love. No, demonstrate love. If all you can do is pray for that person who has been bad to you, that will be biblical obedience uh, and a biblical, biblically proper way to demonstrate love. Um, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Let's stop there and pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your words. Thank you, Lord, for your teaching, your clear direction in, in terms of uh, what you desire in our lives. Lord, you desire what you've made possible. Uh, Lord, you, you desire that which you have done for us. You desire that we demonstrate the same grace and love toward others. And you desire that we, we choose to do that graciously. Lord, we see that in your words this morning. Father, I thank you this morning that you make that possible. It clearly would not be possible uh, for us to demonstrate love the way you desire. It truly would not be possible without you being at work in us. And Lord, we understand this morning that um, when we're able to demonstrate love graciously, um, we can be greatly encouraged that it's been made possible by you who dwelleth in us and, and, and we in you, we're saved. And so, uh, Lord, you are at work in our lives, making, making it possible. Lord, I pray again this morning that you help us not to make the sin of others an excuse to, uh, to refuse to demonstrate love to them. And Lord, I pray again this morning that you would not allow us to make an excuse, oh, I, I can't, I can't be loving that person's sin against me has just been too horrible. Uh, Lord, no, we understand this morning that we can 
because of you. You work supernaturally in us and through us. And when we permit that and choose to walk in what you enable, uh, you're pleased, you're honored, you're glorified by the simple obedience that you enable. Father, help us to get a hold of these things this morning. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen.